greatest thing going on in the world today. Now, I, I know I'm a little biased because this is what I, I'm blessed to be able to do for a living. But I would argue that the local church is the greatest thing going on because it's God's plan. And the local church is what will change the world. Yeah, but look at this and this is going on. If every local church would be exactly what God has called them to be, we would change the world. And I want to talk to you this morning on this title, God Doesn't Think Small. God doesn't think small. Would you pray with me, Jesus? Thank you, Lord God. Lord, I know we just prayed over parents and children, but right now we're asking specifically for this message. Your word's alive. It's powerful, but I need your help as a, as a preacher, a man of God standing in this pulpit. I don't want to share my thoughts. I want you to share your thoughts through me. And so let every heart and mind be open and receptive to every single thing you want to do, say, and accomplish in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God is seldom at the forefront of what is possible. If it's possible, we often think, well, we don't need God then. But when it's impossible, God can step in and accomplish the miraculous. But so, so I'll tell you right now, if you're in an impossible situation today, if it's financial, emotional, mental, marital, whatever it is, if you're in an impossible situation and you've actually been feeling anxiety and frustration and fear toward it, I want to tell you this. You are in a great place. What? You're in a great place because you're in a place where God can now step in. And he can do the miraculous. He can begin to do things in your situation that nothing else can explain it. But you can step back and say, wow, God loves me so much that he just stepped in and did something that no thing or no one else could ever do. And so my belief today is God, though, he doesn't just want to do the impossible and do the miraculous in the lives of individuals. He wants to do the miraculous in the local church. Too often churches we, we have and church leaders, we bring small dreams to God. We just hope, I just hope one guest shows up and one person is baptized. And, and believe me, don't put words in my mouth because I understand the value of one. If you're one guest here, we are so grateful that you're here. If one person gets baptized, I am so thankful for that. If one person is encouraged, I am so thankful. I understand the value of one life and one child and one marriage and one baptism and, and one good ankle. you're a guest here, the 40-year-old preacher tore ligaments in his ankle playing basketball, and man, one ankle, you forget. It's not that big of a deal, and then three weeks later, you're like, man, it is. But I also read in the Bible about Jesus having a global worldview, a, a big vision. We see this in two famous passages, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Matthew 28, 19, he dies on a cross and rises from the dead, ascends into heaven. He says, go ye therefore and teach all nations. Our God has a big view, a big, yeah, he, he, if you were the only person, he'd have died on the cross for you. Absolutely. 
But his vision is so much bigger than just one. He says, I, I reach the whole world. Go ye therefore teach, teach every nation, every tongue, every kindred, the world, the nations. It sounds to me like Jesus had a big vision for his church. He gave himself for the entire church. And so he values one life and although the local church should also value every single life. The idea that the end time revival and the work of the Lord, it just, it has to be slow and steady. I just don't agree. Of course, we're going to keep playing. I, as we launch into this weekend, I'm blessed to be the Missouri District North American Missions Director to help with new church plants. And, and, and if you launched into something brand new like we did with yesterday and had about 70 people, that any church planter would be like, that is amazing. Thank God for all the people that we're able to impact and all the people who are in this community that we're going to be able to, 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 to minister to and love and reach with this gospel message. But you know what? I, I, I say that, that when we look at this and we launch into this, we're saying, okay, God, we understand the value of one life, but, but we don't have to just say, well, I just hope somebody shows up and it's just slow and steady. No, as, as the director for North American Missions, we, we, our vision is plant water increase. And I think that's exactly what we're doing here, that we're planting something on a Saturday night. We're planting a two-service. We're planting something, and we're going to continue to water it. And guess what? By the end of the year, my vision is that both services will be filled, and we'll have to look at a third one. And that... In the middle of where we're looking at trading land with another church and we're looking at new construction. My, I pray that when it comes time to break ground, I have to say, you know, I know it's going to cost some money. And we had the plans for, they say, three times your current average. So if we get about 140 on a weekend that we should build for 420. And I, I, I don't mind. I think it'd be kind of neat at the end of the year if we say, well, I know I have to pay more money to change the plans. And there's an issue there. But we have to build for 800 because we have three services now that are completely filled up. Why? Because I believe that God is ready for the local church to experience explosive growth unlike we have ever had before in our history. This is not just so we can build bigger churches and be a mega church and, and be on TV and just have more people in our pews or, or pad pockets of the church. No, 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 no. It's because God has called the church to reach the entire world. He said, I gave my, I gave my life so that the whole world might be saved. I, I commission my followers to go reach the whole world. Don't fall victim to the small church syndrome. I've been, a, I've been a part of a lot of churches and a lot of denominations just interacting with people. And sometimes I find what I would call a small church syndrome. Well, bless God, we've always been small. This is the way we do it. And we're always going to be small. And, and no, no, no. We, here at Refuge Church, I will tell you, we have never been a small church. Never. And I know some of you might know the story, and you might be like, well, didn't, when you guys came, wasn't there 18 people here or so? I mean, that's, that's kind of small. We were never small. We weren't small with 18 people. We were growing. I'll tell you, it's like nails on a chalkboard. When, I was, when we came in and people go, oh, you passed that small church over there. I'm like, Jesus, help me. I'm going to knock them out right now. In the Holy Ghost, of course. <laughs> All you say is, you just say, you know, the Bible says, 
uh, uh, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. And I'm just letting you know, you're, you're fixing to get sick. <laughs> just kidding. Just joking. I got a little fight left in me. <laughs> but, but see, I, we were never small. Well, yeah, but you guys launched that Saturday night thing. You know, you started kind of small. No, we didn't. We were growing as of last night. From here on, every Saturday night, we're growing. We're growing. We planted something. We're going to water and we're going to watch God give the increase. Why? Because I'm not interested in making a name for myself or, or, or building a mega church. But I want to say, God, what can you do in this community that we can be a part of? You see? We're growing. Why? Because this has always been God's plan. Check this out. Jesus died and he's raised from the dead and he shows up to his followers and says, wait here in Jerusalem for the promise of my coming. He had, he had prophesied over and over, Joel, Ezekiel, Isaiah, about this outpouring of his spirit. He says, it's about to happen. In Acts 1, 4 and 5, being assembled together, he commanded them, he shouldn't depart Jerusalem. He says, wait for the promise. Wait here. John truly baptized with water, but you're going to get the Holy Ghost here. He says, and then he goes down to verse 8 and he says, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. What? To get to heaven? Absolutely. I believe being filled with the Spirit is part of God's New Testament plan for our salvation. But the first mention in the book of Acts of the outpouring of the Spirit is you have now, you have power to be a witness. To be a witness. There's something in your life that you're going to witness that Jesus Christ is alive and powerful and his Spirit is alive and his Spirit is real. And so we have been given power to be a witness to the whole known world. And then in verse 13, when they were come in, they went into an upper room, and there abode Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon Zelotus, uh, Judas, the brother of James. They were all, they continued with one, in one prayer and supplication, one accord, and married the mother of Jesus with his brethren. Mary is so special, and I'm so thankful for her. But she also needed the Holy Ghost. She never was, we were never commanded to pray to Mary ever, ever in the whole scripture. She herself needed God's spirit. So here she is. And in those days, Peter stands up with the disciples. And what does it say? How many people were there? 120. And they're in an upper room. They're in an upper room and he stands up with 100. That's a decent sized church plant, isn't it? Going into launch with 120 people, I'm guessing, I'm, I'm guessing that's probably about the number here right now. Maybe counting kids for sure. That's a decent-sized church. That's not, much small, that's not much smaller than this, especially when you put both of our services together. But now they're about to receive the Holy Spirit, just like the Old Testament prophesied and the prophets talked about. And look what transpires in Acts 2.1. And when the day of Pentecost, that was that time of Old Testament festival and people from all over the known world were in Jerusalem at this time. He has them waiting in an upper room. And he says, when the day of Pentecost has fully come, they were all in one accord, all 120 of them in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them and they were all how many all every one of them if there would have been 180 people guess how many people would have got the holy ghost if there had been 240 people guess how many people would have got the holy ghost if you're here today and you have never received the gift of the spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues just like they did right there if there's four eight twelve fifteen every single one of you can get it if you want it it's god's will 
And since they were all filled with the Holy Ghost as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so in that upper room, we have 120 people, including Mary, the mother of Jesus. They're all filled with the Holy Ghost. But they didn't have air conditioning in the first century. And so it's probably an open air upper room. And here you got 120 people speaking sounds and languages they've never spoke before. And people from all over the known world are gathering in the streets. It's this time of festival of Pentecost. Guess what starts happening? Those sounds are going out the window and people are going, what's going on? Are these people drunk? Which is kind of interesting because when you get drunk, you don't wax more eloquent. Tend to go a little less eloquent. And so, and so, but they're like, we're, we're hearing them speaking even in our own languages. And what's going on? Something supernatural is taking place. And so a crowd starts gathering in the streets. They're, they're going, what, what's going on? And, and, and why are we hearing this? What's going on with you guys? And so Peter stands up and he starts to preach to them. He's, these aren't drunk like you're supposing, like you're accusing of himself. It's the third hour of the day. It's nine in the morning. I guess people didn't really get drunk at nine in the morning back then. I've known a few people that do that now, but it's nine in the morning. It says, they're not drunk like you suppose, but this is that. Peter makes a connection to what they were questioning about speaking in tongues and receiving the Spirit. He says, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. So it's not, this is not like our organizational thing. This is the apostle Peter making a connection that what you're asking about, I'm connecting it back to what Joel prophesied in the Old Testament. And so he starts preaching to them about Jesus and how he was killed and put on a cross. And, and so then they felt something because Acts 2.37 says they were pricked in their heart. There was something in them that, that maybe something like you might experience today where you start to feel something in your, in your heart, and your spirit. You might not even be able to understand it or explain it, but you're going, I feel something and I want what you're talking about. And so Peter says, he says, hey, they're pricking your heart. What should we do, they ask. And Peter clearly tells them in Acts 2.38, he says, repent. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Very clearly. And then he says, this is a promise for you, your children, even as many as the Lord our God shall call, as many as that are far off, that's us today, yet today. And look at the response here. 241, then they gladly received his word. And they were baptized the same day, were added unto them. How many? How many? Added unto them 3,000 souls. And the next verse says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Could you imagine next weekend gathering in a room with about 120 people and God starting to move in such a powerful way that the neighbors start to gather around the building? What, is, what do you got going on here? What, what is happening in there? What is this? What is happening? And being able to preach to the masses that it's so big that you have to step outside the building and begin to preach to the masses to where we say, well, we got 3,000 people who want to be baptized today. Can't do it here. 
Pastor, you're the one that baptizes everyone. Why? Why can't you? Where's the closest body of water with some decent, clean water? Let's go down there. And we head down to the lake, and, and we say, well, just get whatever you need, and we're, we're just going to get in the water. And we just start to line up ministers, and we start to, when I say ministers, I don't mean card carrying. We're all ministers, okay? And we start to line up people that are just going, all right, who's next? All right, come on over here. If you guys could just form a line right here. See, you know what? In order for these things to happen, we have to start to envision them happening. Because right now, I'm kind of just sharing a, like a fictional story with you, and you're like, that'd be cool. That's interesting. But we actually don't ever intend, we don't ever think it actually would happen. But what I'm going to keep asking you throughout this message is if he did it for them, why not us? Why not us? Why can we not go down into the water and say, okay, all right, next. All right, I got one here. I got an opening over here. And people just start, and there's just 3,000 people lining up because they just heard and felt something they had never heard and felt before, and they want it. And so three in one day, you want to talk about a powerful altar call? If Peter was an evangelist today, it'd be all over social media. Check this out. Oh, look, and Peter finished his message. And, and then Peter would get his calls from all the other churches, and he, his schedule would be filled for the next, like, six years because he preached a 3,000 soul revival. But read on, verse 47, 247, praising God, having favor with all the people, the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Folks, that's every single day. We have got to as a church. And if you're a guest here, I want you to know I'm preaching. And, and you might say, well, he's, he's talking to the church. No, no. I hope that you want to be a part of a church that is alive and that God's doing something in every single day. Because we got to get rid of the mentality of just, well, I just hope somebody comes next week. I just hope that one person shows up next week. No, 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 no. What happens when spirit-filled believers children of God, who he said, I put my spirit in you, and I commissioned you to go reach the world the same way that I gave my life to die for the entire world. He says, I put my spirit in you to give you power to be a witness. And so now, when you do that, the Lord adds to the church every single day. This means we don't have to say, oh, you have an issue going on in your life? Um, well, we have service next Saturday if you would like to come. No, that's where the church says, you have an issue in your life? Well, do you believe that right now, if we pray together, that the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth can step into your situation? Peter and James did not walk up and say, oh, you're a lame man. Well, this weekend we're having a service. They stopped what they were doing and said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. Rise up and walk. And then they went to a prayer meeting together. What happens when the New Testament church starts to live like that on Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays? Well, we don't have a service. You are the service. You're the church. Take the, the, take the spirit. Take the power to them to go do and be what God called you to be.
Because that's the way that God adds to the church daily. He adds to the church every single day. Do you think he stopped that? Do you think that at some point he said, you know, I'm just, times have changed. It's the 21st century. It's more difficult to move in this day and age. There's no way. Do you think that Jesus Christ still wants his local church to have 3,000 soul revivals? If he wants it, and I have that power, why isn't it happening? Is it because it starts simply with, I just can't imagine it. I just can't envision it. You see, God doesn't think small. Because look at the pattern continue. In Acts 4.4, we start 120 people. Wow, that's a great church. That's a great start. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men were 5,000. Hold on here a second. We started with a church plant of 120, 120 people. Sounds like kind of by the end of the day, there were another 3,000 people. It says 3,000 souls. Now it says 5,000 men. It, it literally went so fast that, that they got to the place where they were just like, I mean, imagine what that would have been like. One, two, and you know, no doubt the guys were probably sitting and reasoning about theology and women were chasing kids around. You know, they weren't like us men today that are very helpful and hands-on in the home. I don't know why some people are laughing. But... They're probably, you know, oh, she, she just ran over there to get her kid. Well, isn't that, was that the kid I just counted over there? I mean, they're probably just like, forget it, just count the men and let's go from there. Because it was easy to go 1, 2, 3, 4, 99, We have 120 people here today for our church plant. God's going to pour out a spirit. Woo, this is awesome. What a start. And then God just steps in. I wonder if they were, I wonder if they were happy with 120 Maybe like we are. And God said, it's great. I value every one of you, but sit tight. Watch this. 3,000 people. Now, there's 5,000 just men. Not even count women and children. At this point, most theologians, theologians, scholars agree that at that moment, just from Acts 2 to Acts 4, there were now more than 20,000 people a part of that New Testament church. And I read that, and I'm challenged because I say, well, I was just hoping that God would send one this Sunday. And I value the one. But God doesn't think small. And so as we're starting to construct and we're looking at, okay, how do we design plans and, and well, what do you want to build for? And they're like, well, uh, it, you know, it's, it's like asking a new, a new parent, you know, and you just had your first baby. What do you expect in parenting? You're like, survival? Sleep? And then you laugh. To keep a clean suit? Not going to happen. So they say to me, well, Pastor, how many do you want to build for your, in, the, in the new sanctuary? How do you answer that? 
I get what they're trying to say. You have to plan, prepare. But I want to be like, well, there's about 34,000 in Liberty. Let's start there. But then, you know, you look at your finances and a piece of plywood costs $27,000 right now. So you're like, well, let's just start on the plywood. We'll just, we'll just start with that piece right there. I'll preach from the plywood. But, you know, Scripture says, as many as the Lord our God will call, he added to the church daily. So, you know, my answer is, I want to build for a church where we can keep following God's plan, where he is able to add to the church daily. So for me, yeah, if you're telling me three times the average, okay, so let's start with 420. But you better build that, design those plans so there are phases so that we can just take out a wall and keep going. Take out a, move sideways and keep going. It is not because I'm trying to build a mega church or put my name in lights, but I want the name of Jesus in lights. I don't want to ever say, well, we want to get to about 400. No, 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 no. We're, yeah, we're going to get to it. And then we're going to say, see you and keep on flying. Why? Because, and, and I know some people have already come to me. Well, that's not going to be my church because I want to be a part of a small church where I know everybody. I have great news for you. We're going to keep planting churches. So if you want, we'll make sure you're on the church planting team every single time we send out a new group to go into a new city. You can go with them and help the church get up and running, and then you'll never have over 100 people. But then when they get big, you'll just go to the next church plan team. So if you like small church, we'll make sure that you're a part of a small church. But it's going to be over and over and over again. Why? Because I never want to reach the point where I say, okay, Lord, can you add to the church daily somewhere else? Because we've reached max here. No, 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 no. I understand that question. But when I say things like, oh, I don't want to be a part of a big church or a small church or church grows. No, no, no. I just want God to add to the church daily. Because in the first year after Christ's death, the New Testament church went from 120 people to more than 20,000 people in that first year after his death. That sounds like it's crazy, unattainable, insane. But if God did it once, I just keep reading scripture going, why? Why can't he do it again? Is it because we're not prepared? Is it because we don't have the vision? Is it because we don't have the expectation and the faith? Is it because we don't want it? I want it. I want you to know I want it. I want to see God minister to the people. I want to see God reach the city and the surrounding communities. We have 34,000 people within this city limits. We have probably more than a million people who could realistically in this metro area could realistically come to this church. We have two high schools in our city that are both full. We we're doing a good job, but we can do better. I want to look and say, God, I thank you for every person, every individual, but I know you don't think small, so help me not to think small. Oh, God, add to your church daily. Add to your church daily. What is keeping you right now? You personally, what is keeping you from raising your hands in the air and saying, God, multiply my ministry. God, use me. Expand the borders of what my influence is, God. Expand your church. Unleash the dream that you have for your church. Reach our entire city. Come on, someone. Why don't you just raise your hands in the air right now and begin to ask God, Lord, help me. 
me. Help me. What's my role in this? God, what do you want to do if this is your will? If I read about this in scripture, why isn't it happening now? What do I personally need to do to make it happen, Jesus? Help me, God, I pray. Oh, come on. Why don't we just raise our hand and ask him that? God, what is it that you want to accomplish? What could I do to be a part of it, Lord? Oh, look what happened when the apostles started to meet opposition. The gospel started spreading. Acts 5, 26, it says, The captain went with his temple guards and arrested the apostles, but without violence, for they were afraid that the people would stone them. They brought the apostles before the high council, where the high priest confronted them, and they said, We gave you strict orders never to teach again in this man's name. Instead... You have filled all of Jerusalem with your teaching about him. Lord Jesus Christ, God of heaven, please let it one day be said of refuge, church, that someone can come to us and say, you know what? You guys have filled the entire city of liberty. And you know what? There's going to be opposition. If you think that we're, oh, we're going to switch land. We're going to go to two services. We're going to impact our community. We're going to see lives change. We're going to serve people. We're going to love people. We're going to build a new building right off the highway. And that the enemy, that the opposition would simply say, okay, guys, just, we'll step out of liberty. You guys, just have fun. Ain't no way. So there'll be opposition. And I pray to God sometime, somewhere, says, you know what? Refuge Church, maybe even a little spite. You guys have, I'm sick and tired. You guys have spread your, this gospel message throughout the city, all the surrounding areas, and I will know, oh, God. Oh, we're apostolic. What does that mean? Well, I believe that you should be filled with the Spirit, baptized in Jesus' name. There's one God, and, and yeah, and that's awesome. But I want to, uh, there, there's a whole lot more to being apostolic, meaning adhering to the apostles. When you read the book of Acts, the title of the book is called Acts of the Apostles. When I read that, I don't want to just be apostolic in my doctrine and what I preach. But I want to be apostolic to where when I see someone sick, I stop like they did and miracles happen. I want to be apostolic where I expect it to go from 120 to 3,000 to 5,000 to 20,000. We just keep planting churches. You know, instead of planting them in, in Ephesus and Galatia and Corinth, you know, we'll plant them in, in Wyoming and South Dakota and California and, and Texas. And we'll just plant them all over the place. See, right now, does that excite you? Because if it doesn't, I have work to do because i got to get you excited because I can't do this alone. And I think sometimes we just need to close our eyes and say, God, help me. Help me right now. Do that right now. Just close your eyes. And just say this. Say, Jesus, please help me right now to envision 3,000 people getting baptized. If you're online, do the same thing. Just close your eyes. Jesus, help me to envision right now 3,000 people getting baptized. What does that look like? Because in order for it to, to begin to happen, you have to, we have to begin to see this and have faith that this could happen. You see, because 
That spread of the gospel, two things happened. One was from God and one was from the enemy. Acts 6.1, but as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. I will say this. When God gives you his spirit, he says you have power to be a witness. You have now been empowered on high to be what God has called you to be. There will be resistance, but there is no resistance known to humankind that can stop or stifle the move of the Spirit. There's nothing. There's nothing that can exalt itself strong enough to stop what God wants to accomplish. There is only one way it can stop. It does not happen from the outside in. It happens from the inside out. Notice right now, we're going from 120 to 3,000 to 5,000 to 20,000, and now people inside the church start arguing with each other about who's getting food. Uh-oh. We've reached the point of conflict. The honeymoon stage is over. It's not spreading as fast. Now, all of a sudden, we're having arguments about who gets food. But notice it. Murmuring, complaining, dissension. If you think we will just take over the city and gotten, no, 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 we have another thing coming. But we must be aware of our own human spirit. If someone starts sitting around frustrated about growth, complaining about people, gossiping about situations, the enemy could be using you to stifle growth rather than to be a conduit of growth. When growth happens, you are either a conduit or a clog, one of two. In the New Testament church, they overcame the murmuring and the complaining. They delegated responsibilities and chose leaders. Here at Refuge Church, we have great leadership teams, great response, great strong leadership teams. We have not yet grown to thousands yet. Yet. But we're like those 120 in the upper room. We're preparing for unprecedented revival. We're getting ready for, I, I, I don't know, but I'm just sensing, some of you have expressed this to me and you're sensing the same thing. We can't even quite explain it or put our, put our finger on it or, or maybe put it into words, but there's something in the spiritual atmosphere that's just shaking a little bit that, that we've been here now and we've seen God over the last decade. He's done some great things and he's done some powerful things and, and we've been in some upper room experiences where God's poured out of the spirit and, and we've seen and felt some incredible things, but now there's been a little bit of resistance, a little bit of distraction that we got we to gotta press through to get ready because they're, we're, oh yeah, we're going to a two-service format and we're getting land. We're looking at construction and saving money. Come out of a stewardship campaign. Everything we have done has prepared us for such a time as this. Everything. We are prepared in our leadership structure, finances, in our vision. It's just now we're going, what's next? And I will tell you right now by faith what is next. What what is next is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people getting hope, experiencing hope, offering hope, being saved, set free, sanctified, delivered, hope, restored, people breaking away from addictions, marriages being restored, that, that, that people are going to be baptized in his name, filled with his spirit. We're going to start planting churches, that we're going to start seeing things that we have not yet seen up to this point. This is not a motivational speech. This 
this is what God wants to do. Well, how do you know that? Is that a word of wisdom or faith right now? No, it's just looking at precedent, saying he did it before. He did not retire from this. This is what he wants to do. He wants to take the local church that he established. And when they got big enough, he said, no, put a local church in Ephesus, in Corinth, in Galatia, in in Asia Minor, in Laodicea. He starts to say, in Pergamos, he starts to put churches all over as a result of what happened in that church. That's what's going to happen again. This church is going to plant churches all over the known world. If you believe that, stand to your feet and just begin to clap your hands. Begin to worship him. This church is going to plant churches all over the known world. Not because we're great, but because we're willing. Not because we're intelligent, but because he's powerful. Oh, you may be seated. I'm almost done. Acts 6, 1. You reach this point, 123,000, 5,000, 20,000. And now we get to Acts 6. This is just Acts 6. The outpouring of the Spirit happened in Acts 2. Now we're in Acts 6. It says the believers rapidly multiplied. Now the growth is like wildfire. It's going faster. The church can't even number it. It starts with the other 120. There was 3,000. Now there's, well, there's 5,000 just in men. Now there's more than 20. Now it's just, it, it's rapidly. It's, it's just, it's just, it's just growing. And now another use in Acts 21.20. After hearing this, they praised God and they said, you know, dear brother, how many thousands of Jews have believed? And we're not even talking about Gentiles. We're just talking about Jews. And he says, how many thousands of Jews believe? The Greek word translated thousands. It, this, this comes from a word meaning countless or tens of thousands. The number of believers in Jerusalem at this point is absolutely staggering. It got to the point where Luke is writing and he can't even make a guesstimate about the number anymore. He just says, I don't even know, but you said just Jews. There's just just tens of thousands of just Jews. I can't even guess anymore. I I can't even guess what the capacity is. Guess how many buildings there were big enough to hold a church that large? Zero, not a one. So they gathered on hillsides and next to, next to water, and, 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 and they just gathered wherever they could. Man, I'll tell you what, I love being spoiled in climate control building with lights and sound, and I get agitated when my mic cuts out and I can't hear in the monitor, and I, guys, I can't hear myself. Like, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're just spoiled. I'm spoiled. But I, I just wonder if God could just bless us with so much growth that we say, hey, guys, we have to send out a calling post and text messages and, and email communications. Says, hey, guys, I know we were set for this, this weekend, but we can't meet at the church. There is no way we'll fit in this building. So we're going to be going out to, to Stocksdale Park, and we're actually just going to get out there by the shelter, and and we're just going to, and whoever wants to be baptized, we're going to go down to Missouri River, and we're just make it happen, you know what I'm saying? I mean, like, because we just don't even know what to do. I mean, I mean, what, why, why, why can't he, why, why can't he, why can't this happen, why can't this happen? And this is especially staggering, and I'm closing. Considering at that time, in Jerusalem, there were about 55,000 inhabitants. They reached the whole city and beyond. So to me, well, what about church plants? What if a church plant wants to come into liberty? <laughs> he sometimes deal with pastors. Well, that's my territory. 
man, come on. We got 34,000 people in the city. I think we're getting about 140 of them. We obviously need help. <laughs> somebody goes, somebody from Missouri tries to, to, to plant a church in Liberty. You know what this church will do? We will, like every other North American missionary in Missouri, we will support them financially, right. and we will send them money to get a church up and running. Right. I don't care if it's across the street. Because this message is powerful. It's life-changing. If you are a guest here today and you have never repented of your sins, if you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus, there is warm, clean water behind these doors. We'll open these up. We will baptize you today. God will fill you with his spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, exactly what we just read. This is not my denomination. This is not some, somebody glorifying tongues or God's spirit. No, this, is, well, this was his plan. They asked about it in Acts 1, Acts 2. It began to happen. That's how the growth took place. There was something supernatural transpiring over and over again. So even if you're here and you say, well, I don't really fully understand this, but there might be something in you going, but I'm interested. This, I want this. I, this, is, this is powerful. Give God a chance. Give God a chance this morning. And watch what he can do. But that's, for the, that's maybe for the guest who hasn't heard this before. But Refuge Church, I will tell you, we have 34,000 people. They had 55 in, in Jerusalem in that time. And I just look and say, if they could reach the city with no technology... We have less than them. And my vision is not just, oh, Lord, please, just send one. Just send one, and I'll value the one. Don't get me wrong. But God doesn't think small. So the days of just, oh, I just can't imagine it. No. Every time I can't imagine it, I want to begin to close my eyes again and say, God, help me to envision right now clearly in my brain, in my eyes. I can see it. Refuge members standing in water, waist deep, a line as somebody's videoing, trying to zoom in because you can't even get the people on the end because now there are lines of people on the shore lining up into the water before each single person and them stepping in as another one gets baptized and raises their hands to heaven and they're filled with the Spirit and then they walk off and the next one is baptized to the point where we go, I need a break, man. I'm, I'm feeling tired. My back's feeling it right now. I've just baptized personally 140. Oh, man, I was just did 157 down here. And, and just because so many lives are being impacted and touched and changed. If God doesn't think small, then I don't want to think small. Help me, Jesus. Would you stand to your feet today? I ask you, church, I ask you, guess, what does God want to do? Why are you here today? Even if you're here and you say, I just came for this dedication. I'm not, I don't even live in the area, maybe. I don't know. But why are you here? You were here on this day, in this moment, to hear this message. So even if it's not this church, what is God calling you to do? Why do you exist as a human being? Why did he leave you on this earth? Is it just have fun, raise, you know, save money, retire and die and sit in, a, in, in decompose? pose in a ground. I mean, like, that, that, that's not why we exist. God says, you know what, there's something, there's eternity after this, and I left you here, and I've empowered you to be a witness, to go reach a lost and a dying world. And if, and if I did it for them back then, I can do it for you. But what is the key component? It's people, it's you stepping up and saying, God, if you're going to add to the church daily, I need to be a part of that. God, how are you going to add to the church daily using me and my ministry and my life and my calling and my gifting, God? Help me, Jesus. 
And church, I invite you right now to just find a place to pray. Maybe it's a prayer that you're going to get the Holy Ghost. Maybe it's a prayer you're going to be baptized. You're going to repent of your sins. Maybe you've experienced those things, and it's a prayer of, God, what do you want to do in my life? God, help me to envision. I can't picture this, Jesus. I've always just thought small. And and God, help me right now to begin to envision a, a global church, church plans, thousands of people. Because, Father, time is short, and I want to be used. I want to be used in a mighty way. I want to personally be used. I want to be anointed. I want to be called. I want you to take me and further your kingdom through me, Jesus. Oh, in your name, God, help us. Lord, we pray your kingdom.